guys doing good this morning? We're on our toxic series, and so uh, we've been very excited about sharing this in that, not that the content of what we are talking about is exciting, but, you know, there's, <laughs> but there's times when, when we need to address issues in the body of Christ, and yeah, I, I didn't, and, and sometimes some, there's some of the things that we don't like to talk about. So, um, so our sermon series is called Toxic because it's deadly, and there's seven of them that can be uh, quite devastating to us. So we've already, I've already kind of scratched out some. Oh, I underlined envy. I meant to. I meant to. That's a typo. Ooh. <laughs> That's right. Are you feeling envious right now? I meant to cross it out. <laughs> we've we've almost kind of started from the bottom and worked our way up. Uh, we've we've already uh, tackled pride, wrath, and envy. It's not supposed to be underlined again. Typo. And so uh, this morning we're going to be talking about lust. And so the title of this uh, message is called "Lust: Feed It or Fight It." So let's uh, go ahead and uh, let's just thank God for for being able to go into His Word and that. He would speak to us today. Lord, we thank you, God, for God, how good you are. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you don't want to condemn anyone in this house. God, your word says that there is therefore no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And God, thank you that, Lord, that today may some attitudes of our heart be revealed in that we can stand in right relationship with you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, if we have to be corrected today or bring some of our, our life into alignment Lord, I thank you that we would do it joyfully in knowing that when we do this, God, we're in right standing with you, and there's nothing but favor and blessing that comes from obedience. We see that in your word over and over. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick, and this is off topic, but see, one of the things that happens in the body of Christ is we, we tend to follow the rules, or we want to give somebody rules to follow. So it's like we have all the things that you shouldn't be doing. So when somebody starts responding to God, instead of saying, you know, keep following after God, keep reading your word, keep praying, keep doing all these things, we start saying, well, now you got to stop doing this, and you got to stop doing that, and you got to stop doing this. And what happens is then when you start doing the, the, I don't know, rules, I guess you would say, what happens is you fall into religion. Because then what happens is then now it's all about what you do and, not, and what you don't do. When it's never been about that. It's not about what you do and what you don't do. It's about who you are to him. And out of that, it's what you do and what you don't do. But oftentimes, so, so in, 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 in sharing about uh, some of these deadly sins, obviously we're going to give, give you tools and things to help you. But friends, it's not, it's not about, okay, I got to do this and don't do that. I mean, obviously the Lord will speak to us and tell us, hey, yeah, you got to eliminate this. But if we, if we find ourselves in the, well, I'm doing this, just to do this, or I'm doing this because somebody told me to do that. Friends, let's not do that, okay? So that's why it's so imperative that the Holy Spirit speaks to each and every, us, each and every one of us individually because what he's dealing with me in my heart is totally different than what he's dealing with Pastor Earl in his heart about. And if I'm trying to put on him that which God's dealing with me, okay, that's called, that's called <laughs> religion. Okay, it's religious. So side note. I don't even know why I even talked about that, but it just came there. Somebody needs to hear that. Maybe I need to hear that myself again. 
All right, lust. Lust is a desire that every person on the face plant, on the face, on the planet faces. Man, tongue tied today. Say everyone. It's something that everyone will face and does face. The definition of lust is a strong sexual desire. This is, it's, uh, there's three parts to this. Number one is a strong sexual desire. Oh, yeah, by the way, totally forgot to let you know, we do have a live event. You can follow along on your tablet and smartphone. All your notes are on there. Bam. Most of you guys are already there. A strong sexual desire, a crave, an appetite, or a desire for self-indulgent sexual desire. That's the first one. Number two is to have an eager, passionate, especially an inordinate or sinful desire. And then it uses this, this word, this big word that we've read back in Deuteronomy and also in Exodus when the Ten Commandments came down. Covetousness. You guys remember that? You guys remember that word? What number is that on the, on the 1 through 10 scale? Does anybody remember? No? It's number 10, right? Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Okay, number three. It says, a crave, hunger, thirst, starve, or strong desire, or drive. So when you have this crave, this thirst, this strong desire, or this drive for something, and then just for example, would be like a lust for power where you're, you're going after this thing and it's, it's driving you. It's, it's a crave inside you. I like what the Easton Bible Dictionary says about lust. It says this. It says, it is the origin of sin, the inward in which leads to the falling away from God. So what is, what is uh, the writer of the Easton Bible Dictionary talking about? He's talking about, <laughs> my wife said, that chocolate tree that was in the garden. <laughs> Okay, what was the what was the very first sin? The very first sin was when Eve coveted or lusted after knowledge. There was something that she didn't have and she wanted it. And so that's why back in 1870 he would say it's the origin of sin. It's where it, it's where it began. So we're gonna be talking first and foremost about uh, lust in kind of a broader sense, and then we're gonna then we'll kind of pinpoint and we'll we'll actually hit sexual lust. Uh, but if you noticed on your on the on the list of the seven deadly sins, lust is number one. And why? Because as the writer in the Eastern Bible Dictionary says, it's the origin, and it's for the most part, it's if we when we give ourselves into it, it it broadens where we find ourselves falling into different types of sin, sexual lust. You know, all these other type of things. We're going we're gonna, to uh, start off by reading 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. You know what the funny thing is, is before we read that, it's not really funny, but it's, it's kind of interesting. It was, it was by appetite that God first tempted, or excuse me, that God... Man, messing it all up. <laughs> Scratch that, erase that, start over. White out. <laughs> it's recording too. This was messed up. <laughs> In the beginning, it was it was appetite that Eve was tempted. Right, that's what it was. It was food, correct? And then it was a lust for that appetite. What's the first 
What's the first thing that that Satan tempted Jesus in? He said he was hungry. Appetite. Isn't that interesting? Just a little side note. First John chapter 2, we're going to read verse 15 through 17. It says, do not love the, the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, say lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye, say lust of the eye. And the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we can kind of say that you can almost hone in the majority of sin into these three categories. And we're going to be talking about two of them because we already talked about the pride of life a few weeks ago. But the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye. So you, you, know, you may come in here today and be like, what the heck is that? What is the lust of the flesh? Well, this is what it is. The lust of the flesh is that temptation to feel physical pleasure from some sinful activity. So it has to do, uh, kind of put your hand on your chest, say, this is my flesh. Okay, this is your flesh. So, we, so we're made of, of three parts. We're, we're body, soul, and spirit. And part of your body is your flesh. And so there is the lust of the flesh, which is when we want to please this flesh in some activity that's sinful, to do something to make the flesh feel satisfied. It can involve any type of sinful activity that will bring pleasure to the body. Examples are sexual sin, gossip, physical violence, drug use, you know what, you know, weed, pills, coke, heroin, uh, alcohol, all those type of things. And Paul, he talks about the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. So if you get your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's also going to be up on the screens. But Paul gives an extensive list that he calls the works of the flesh in the New King James version. If you have an NIV, it'll call, it's called the acts of the sinful nature. I just like the word works of the flesh because it kind of coincides with what we're talking about here. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, he gives this list of these things. And this is what he says. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Say evident. For some people who are biblically based, but for those who aren't in the Bible, it's not evident. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, and like lewdness, what's lewdness? Well, lewdness is to be vulgar in a sexual way, you, you know, talking, you know, bad. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. You're like, well, that's a big word. What's contentions? Contentions, um, it's like a heated argument, okay? Uh, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Pastor Joy talked about wrath. Uh, selfish ambition, dissensions. Dissensions is just another word for contentions. It's another outburst of anger and, and rage type thing. Heresies, what's a heresy? Heresy is when you believe false things or you teach false things. Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries. What's a revelry? Like revelry, what's a revelry? Revelry is, is, is when you're drunk and you're loud. So you have, <laughs> that's what that means. Okay. So, well, I get drunk and I'm quiet. No, okay. No, it's not the same. Okay. Because <laughs> then he goes on to say what? It says drunkenness right before that. And the like, of which I tell you beforehand... Just as I also told you in the past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And back on that, I don't think I've ever seen a, a quiet drunk person, by the way, ever. I mean, it's just, I don't think it exists. So, 
So, so Paul gives this extensive list of these are all the things that are what? The works of the flesh. They're the lusts of the flesh. When we find ourselves giving into our desires, these are the things that happen. These are the things that, that our flesh wants. Say, my flesh. Hold on, man. That was whack. You guys are checking Facebook and looking out the window and, you know, and, and looking up, you know, wow, that light bulb's out. Say this. Say, say my flesh wants to sin. It does. Friends, there are three things that we fight against, that we battle against. If you are a follower of Christ, you're going to find yourself at war with these three, three things. Number one, the devil. Say the devil. Okay? You're going to fight against the devil. Why? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, you're, you know, I mean, you can get all spiritual and say, well, God fights my battles. Yes, he does. Okay? But it doesn't mean that the devil isn't going to attack you, and he's given you the, he's given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven that you may bound on earth, whatever you bound in heaven, whatever you may loose on earth, you may loose in heaven, which means he's going to fight you, he's going to, he's going to battle you, and just like Jesus, when he comes at you, you got to fight at him with the word. So you have Satan. Number two, say sin. Okay? Sin, you're going to fight against sin. It's everywhere. It's around you. It's just, it is what it is. There's sin. So you're going to fight against Satan. You're going to fight against sin. And number three, you're going to fight against the flesh. Say the flesh. That's this right here. This thing wants to do wrong. Have you ever heard the term born into sin? What does that mean? That, that means that we are born with this nature that wants evil from the beginning. So this, this flesh, this, this right here wants to do evil. That's why we, that's why we, we submit and yield ourselves to God. If it was an easy walk, we wouldn't have to submit. Submit means you don't want to do it, but you do it anyway out of, out of obedience. Okay. Otherwise it's just doing what, what you want to do. Say the word submit does not mean you want to do it. Okay. Right. It's just, it is what it is. Okay. That's the lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. What is the lust of the eye? Well, the lust of the eye is the temptation to look upon things we shouldn't look upon or uh, to have things uh, we shouldn't or things that are not ours. So lust of the flesh is when we cast our eyes on something with desire or pleasure. Coveting is a prime example of this succumbing to the lust of the flesh. And we've read this, or we've already talked about this, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, because the lust of the flesh is what? Coveting. And this is what it says in, uh, when, if you go to Exodus and in Deuteronomy, you're reading the Ten Commandments. It's the Tenth Commandment. And it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Uh-oh. Man, they got a, it's funny. I, li I like the progression of this here. It's like, man, they got a big crib. Man, look at that house. Man, I wish I had a house like that. I'm telling you, if you live, if you live, if you live in this, if you live in the hood all your life, those, 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 uh, green, that green grass on the other side looks awfully good. <laughs> Pastor Earl said until you get that bill. But it even, but I'll tell you, but even in the, in the suburban setting, it's the same thing because I guarantee you that they're living in a nice house and then they're building brand new houses all around them. And they're like, well, I want a newer one. So don't covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife. Okay. She, I'm, I'm just looking <laughs> guilty and I'm joking. <laughs> you see, you see that woman's got a man on her side. She's not yours. Okay. And then it goes on to say, and this is obviously out of say, say, um, uh, cultural context. Okay. We got to understand 
the Bible, and there are things that are cultural context. This is one of them. Okay, uh, they're male servant or female servants. Okay, we don't have those. <laughs> Ox or donkey or anything. So let's just go ahead and let's just let's just kind of if you have male servants or female servants, most likely you had money, and so let's let's just say a modern day equivalent would be their profession or what they do. Okay, so don't covet your neighbor's house, their spouse, what they do, what they have, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Don't covet those things. Okay. Why? What is that? Because that is the lust of the eye. When you look at that and you desire that, that's one of the things that, that God says is something that is, is not, you know, something he don't like. So to covet means having a yearning or strong desire to have something that is not yours or belongs to someone else. Okay. And, uh, and so, so, Covet means to have a yearning or a strong desire, like this, like this pull inside. Now, there's only one time in the Bible where it actually uses the word covet in a positive connotation, and that's where Paul says to earnestly covet spiritual gifts. That's one of the words that are translated covet, which actually means also to yearn or deeply desire spiritual gifts. Okay, but all other connotations of covet or covetousness in the Bible, they're bad. Okay, the lust of the eye indicates wanting something. Wanting someone else's spouse, uh, it, it has to do with wanting somebody else's stuff. It also includes pornography, uh, desiring other people's material possessions, um, maybe their position, their status, or even their appearance. There are people that change their appearance to look like someone else. They change, they get a nose job because they want to look like someone like Michael. <laughs> Hey, it happens. It just it is what it is. It's just true, though. Okay, it's the recognition that someone has a visual appeal that you want, whether sexual or not. Friends, lust is something that the devil will tempt each and every one of us with, and we can either allow the bait to tempt us and give in to it, which will eventually, friends, cause us to sin, or we can fight it. Say lust, feed it, or fight it. And that's, that's what we're going to be doing today. Okay, there's this old saying. I'm sure you have heard of it before. And it was this. Look, but don't touch. Yeah, you, you ever heard that before? You ever follow that before? Well, if you still follow that, okay, I just want to, I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to one up that. I'm going to say there's an older saying. <laughs> How's that? There's an old saying. People like to follow old sayings. You know, my mama used to say, well, let me tell you this. Here, I'm going to tell you an older saying. This goes back 2,000 years ago, and this is what the saying is. To look is to lust. <laughs> there's an old saying, look but don't touch, but there's an older saying, go back 2,000 years ago, that says to look is to lust. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30. And if it's coming out of Jesus' mouth, say Jesus. If he says it, then friends, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. It's not my idea. It's not a good idea. It was the Lord's idea. And this is what he says. I'm going to read. We're going to read a few verses. We're going to read the verse in front and behind. Verse 27 says this. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose 
one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. He's basically saying it's better for you to, to, to be limbless, you know, have something cut off because of sin throughout the course of your life and, and be disabled in that aspect and go to heaven than it is to have every single member of your body and be in hell for eternity. That's what he's saying. It's tough, huh? Friends, when we're basically what Jesus is saying is when we check somebody out and we look at pornography or look at sexually explicit photos or things like that, that's considered, it's considered adultery in the heart. And when it comes to sexual sin lust, friends, we see men of God, say men of God, give into it. And then we see also in the scripture where men of God, where they flee from it. And so, uh, because all of us are going to deal with lust. And so we got to learn how to properly handle it. And in some cases, we don't need to handle it at all. We need to flee from it. That's why 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, uh, Paul tells Timothy, gives him the, the best solution when, when you're faced with lust, and the, uh, this is what he tells him. He says, flee. Now flee from youthful lust. Pursue faith, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. He's saying flee. Okay, there's a time to stand firm, and there's a time to flee. We got to know when we got to stand firm and we got to know when there's times you don't have to show how strong you are, how good you are, how buff you are. You got to run. That doesn't make you a sucker or a chump. It's by it's biblical. And one of the most godly men in the Bible, we're going to read that he did that exact thing. Joseph found in Genesis chapter 39. If you don't know Joseph, Joseph, uh, he's, uh, he, at this time in Genesis chapter 39, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. That's pretty messed up. You think you have family problems? <laughs> That's jacked up. Out of what? Covetousness. They were, they were, they, they thought their dad showing favoritism. He got a real nice, pretty coat. Okay, they were all jealous. Envy, right? Envy much? Yes. Sold their brother into slavery. Okay, this guy, he's uh, in Genesis chapter 39. He's in charge of Potiphar's whole household. Okay, Potiphar was a wealthy Egyptian and one of Pharaoh's officials. Okay, the Bible says that Joseph was handsome and well-built. So he looked good. Potiphar's wife wanted him to have sex with her. So he's chased, so she is actually going after him. And Joseph has this incredible reply when she's, when she's going after him. He says this. He says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? It's powerful. He didn't say, well, let's go over here in the corner where nobody can see us and, and get this thing and do this thing. Nobody will find out. You think Potiphar's wife was, was going to say anything? Nope. She'd been out on the streets. She's living the good life. She had wealthy husband. Pharaoh's court. He could be like, you know what? I can get away with this. Nobody will know about it. No. This was a man of integrity. And he said, how can I do such a wicked thing against God? Meaning, we can do this in secret and everybody else cannot know about it, but God's still going to see it. That's powerful. So then the scripture actually says in verse 10 that she came after him day after day after day after day after day. We're going to catch up here. We're going to read two verses, verse 11 and verse 12. So this is what it says. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work 
and none of the men of the house were inside. So what? He's working in the house by himself. No one's there. Say all alone. Home alone. It's like Macaulay Culkin. Okay. She caught him by the garment. She grabbed a hold of him. She snatched him up. Mm-hmm. She did. Come here. Saying, like, man, she was aggressive. Man. <laughs> she was a cougar. <laughs> Grabs him by his garment, and she says, saying, lie with me. He left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Say, flee. That's what he did. He's like, I'm not going to sit here and argue with her. I got to run. I got to go. Look at your neighbor and say, run, son. <laughs> if, you read, if you read the book of Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, when they're talking about lust and, 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 and uh, seducing women and all these type of things, they say, don't go there. Don't go by her door. Walk around. Walk. Don't go even by her doorstep. Stay away. Because in the end, her end is going to be the grave for you. And that's what Joseph said, uh-uh, I ain't sinning against God, and I ain't going to get killed by having sex with, with my master's wife. I got to go. And so he was out. So he fled. Now, Joseph, many of us, you know, we would read about Joseph, and, and the thing is, is, is the Bible doesn't call Jesus the son of Joseph. The Bible calls Jesus the son of David. But yet, David would have similar situation happen, kind of. And yet, David being the king of Israel, and, and many of us know David. He, you know, David and Goliath is one of the, the greatest kings other than Solomon that ruled over Israel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David is supposed to be out fighting battles with all of his armor army, but instead he's at home, and he's out on his balcony, and he's looking out, and I'm just assuming, because see, back in those days, they didn't have bathrooms. So for the most part, if you wanted to wash, you would have to go down to some place to wash, like a pool, or, or you'd have to go down to the lake or a pond or whatever. So for the most part, people were washing outside, okay? So he's out there, and he's looking, and he, and he sees this woman. Her name's Bathsheba, and she's washing outside, and something inside of him desires to have her. So he goes, and he gets her. He has sex with her. He sends her away. She's pregnant. She comes and tells she's pregnant. And then David does something that, that's, that's pretty remarkable. It almost sounds like a movie. He has her husband killed. Okay? And not in, in the ABC drama type where he goes up and he knifes her and blood. and not, No. He was slick about it. He was super slick about it. He was, okay, uh, Bathsheba's husband was a part of the army, and he had him put up front and had the whole army move back. You're going to get killed. <laughs> it just it is what it is. So he's like, I'm, gonna, I'm not only, you know, not only did he give into his, his lust, the lust of the eye, but what was, what was the degradation and domino effect of him giving into the lust of the eye? The lust of the eye ended up becoming adultery. Adultery ended up becoming, you know, uh, having a, a woman that's not, uh, his become a pregnant. And then on top of that, over all those things, he would try to cover it up and had her husband killed. You see, 
When we give into the lust of the eye, friends, it doesn't, it isn't just, well, I'm going to just hold, you know, give into this a little bit. Ask the person that's addicted to pornography if it was, you know, when they open that door for the first time that they would find themselves desiring that every single day. No. Friends, they opened the door for it and it, and it took them over. Ask the addict who, you know, they, they gave their, their, their flesh over to, you know, a desire of being high, and then 10 years down the road, they're losing their family, they're losing their kids, they've lost their job, they're in the corner smoking uh, uh, heroin or, 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 or shooting up heroin or, or smoking dope or whatever. Did they find themselves being there? No. Friends, they opened the door for it, and it took them farther than they wanted to go. It kept them longer than they want to stay, and it cost them more than they want to pay. And friends, that's what happens with lust. When we give ourselves into it, it's going to cost us more than we bargained for. And that's what happened with David. Friends, when you actually read all of the repercussions of David's sin, I mean, he he ends up... Okay, let's stack up what he did to what he receives in the end. In the end, he receives three lost children. And for a season, he has to, he has to run and flee from his life from his one son who tried to take over his kingdom. So out of his sin, he lost three kids out of it. Lust will cost us more than we want to pay. And you see him grieving and weeping on, and, 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 and just, I could not imagine losing a child. But, but more than that, his own children were killing each other. Crazy. Say lust. Feed it or fight it. Friends, when we give into our appetite, friends, we'll find ourselves in a place where David was. If we can, if we can fight it, or even in Joseph's case, if we can flee from it, friends, look at the outcome of the blessing on Joseph. Okay? If you don't know, go ahead and read it. It's in the book of Genesis. So in order for us to fight it, we need some tools. I need some tools. <laughs> love, love it. We need some tools to fight against this thing. Because this thing is going to attack our eyes, it's going to attack our mind, and it's going to attack our heart. So number one, friends, in order for us to fight against lust, we need to guard our eyes. Say guard our eyes. Okay, we have been equipped with this most powerful weapon. It's called a neck. It's powerful, super powered, a neck. That's right. That little, that little piece between your head and your shoulders. <laughs> that is true. Some don't have a neck. That's true. Okay. If we find ourselves, if we find our eyes looking at something we shouldn't look at, or we find, and you know, because you look and then there's this inside, there's this like taste, there's this like, mmm, there's like this satisfaction. Why? Because when you're looking at that, actually, uh, that thing is, is hitting that, that uh, pleasure sensor in your brain saying, this is good, what do we call it? Eye candy. Why? You, pa- you pop a piece of candy in your mouth, you're like, mmm. Well, there are, there are well, there, the lust of the eye is when we look at something and we call it eye candy because it triggers that, that sensor of pleasure. That's why it's called eye candy. So, friends, in order for us to guard ourselves from lust, we need to first, we need to check the door at the eyes. The Bible says that the eyes are the window to the soul. Okay? And we need to learn to use our neck and turn away. Okay? We just got to. As men, 
we're driving down the street, and there's some woman walking down the street who's, you know, she barely got any clothes on, okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking about some old stuff that my wife used to say back in the day. Some funny stuff. We'll, we'll share it later, maybe. I'll tell you afterwards. I don't want to say it on the mic. We got to be proactive about it. That's the way in order for us to say, okay, I'm not going to give into lust, but you got to be proactive. Uh, we got to, we got to guard our eyes. What we have to do is we got to do Job. The Bible says the thing I love about Job, uh, it's going to be, uh, verse one of chapter 31 in the first book of Job. It says that Job was upright and blameless. He feared God and shunned evil. That's about one of the most greatest accounts on any person on the face of the, of the earth that I've ever heard of. He was upright and blameless, feared God and shunned evil. Job made a covenant, and this is what he says in chapter one of verse thir- or uh, chapter thirty-one, verse seven. He said, "I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a young woman with lust, not to look lustfully at a young woman." What is he doing? Proactively saying that when 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 uh, women that are attractive are around him, he's not going to do the look, the second look, the third look, the triple. Uh, uh, fourth look, the, you know, the elevator stare, the, you know what I mean? Where you're, 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 you can't even talk to them because you're not looking at them in the face because you're looking at their chest, blah, 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 blah. So he made a covenant with his eyes to say that I'm going to choose not to do this. That's proactivity. Friends, in order for us to fight against lust, we need to guard our eyes. We have to guard our eyes. That means we need to close our eyes. We need to turn our head or we need to click away from any imagery that feeds lust in our life. I'm going to say that one more time. We need to close our eyes. We need to turn our head or we need to click away, click away from any imagery other than that which feeds lust in our life. Friends, to be honest, and I'm going to be completely honest just because I can and I believe in transparency. One of the reasons I don't have a Facebook is because there's so much crap on there. I just, okay, I know me and I'm going to do my best to not even engage in that because when, when my wife and I, when I was setting up her Facebook, it was even crazier back then. I know they do, but still, it's still crazy. I'm good. Okay, I got enough to deal with than, than, you know, scrolling through people's junk and then, you know, people posting stuff about them, you know, pictures of themselves that I don't need to look at. I'm cool. Okay. <laughs> I like, I like what my, my, uh, uh, I don't know if, how many of you guys know Dwayne, uh, here in our church. He's, uh, he, he's our, our, our head, uh, usher and stuff. And, uh, and he said one time when, when he was, uh, coming home from work that a bunch of people at his job was inviting him to Hooters. And he said, Oh no, thanks. You go ahead. I got a Hooter girl at home. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> Number two, friends, in order for us to fight against lust, we have to guard our mind. Say this with me. Say, don't let your mind go there. Because you know it already wants to go there. Okay? It's inside of us. Your mind wants to go there. You're like, well, what if this? You know what I mean? I mean, we, we, I mean it's inside of us that we already want to go there before we're even there. So we don't, so in order for us to guard against lust, we got to guard our mind. We can't let our mind go there. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. This is what it says. It says, we demolish every, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take 
captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. We take every thought captive. What does that mean? Okay, if you take something captive, you grab a hold of it and you control it. Yes. So Paul is telling the Corinthians to take thoughts captive. Take your thoughts control. When your mind wants to go off in la-la land and, and then you have, you know, imagination about this, that, and the other, you er, pause that thought. You say, nope, I'm not thinking about that. And you take that thought captive. You say, I'm not going there. Okay, that's how we guard our mind. And then what do we do then? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 tells us what to do. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, say think, about such things. So when your mind is going to go there, when, when, when the enemy has taken what you've seen or what you've desired and he's trying to play it in your mind and it's right there and you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you're thinking about this and you're thinking about you being with this person or you're thinking about this situation, you take that thought captive and you say, nope, I'm not going to give into this. I'm going to, I'm going to grab a hold of this. I'm going to, nope. Usually what I do is I'll say it out of my mouth driving out. I'm like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And then what we do is we turn the channel. We change the gauge. We start thinking about things that are praiseworthy. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm giving you lessons from the life of Josh. When the enemy bombards my mind with perversion, I take the thought captive and I start thinking about God and start singing praises to God and I just focus my attention on him. What am I doing? I'm thinking about things that are praiseworthy. Why? Because then that drowns out the lust of the flesh. That's, that's how we guard our mind. What happens when we continue to give in to those thoughts What's going to happen? Well, James chapter 1, it's not up here, but it's going to t it tells us what will happen. It says desire gives birth to action. First it's a thought, becomes a desire, then it's action, then it's sin, and then it's death. So when we don't take it captive, we're going to end up finding ourselves doing something to activate that desire. Whether that's you going home and pleasing yourself or you going home and looking at pornography or you calling up that dude that that you don't have nothing uh no reason calling up or you uh getting on facebook looking at this chick that likes to show her goodies off whatever it is you're gonna act on it i'm telling you so you have to take the thought captive you got to say i'm not going there and then you got to turn your attention to what's praiseworthy can i be real here I know some of my, my, my term analogy is funny, but it's true, okay? Why is pornography a multi-billion dollar industry? Because, because it's, it's not popular. No, <laughs> because it's invading almost every person on this planet. Number three, almost finished here. We're coming around, we're coming around third base here. We're running home because we hit the, we hit the ball at the park. Number three, it says, guard your heart. Okay, so not only do we guard our eyes, not only do we guard our mind, but friends, we got to guard our heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this. It says, above all else, say above all. So it's saying you can do, there's a bunch of things that you can do, but this is one of the most, this is top priority here. Above all else, guard your heart 
for everything you do flows from it. What did Jesus say? He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? It says, when you look at a woman lustfully, you commit adultery with her in your heart, right? Absolutely. So when, so when we're, when we're in a, a position where lust wants to invade, we have to guard our heart. Okay. And not in a way where, because see, we're in this place, we're in this place where people, you know, they get hurt feelings or somebody gets dumped or man, this person did them wrong. And so now they close up a wall and they're guarding their heart. God's not talking about that. Okay. That's self-preservation. That's not of God. And, and you got to do, and that's let God deal with you on that. Guarding your heart is saying it's just, it's almost like being at the door and you know who you're going to let in your house and who you're not going to let in your house. That's what guarding your heart is. So if somebody comes to your door and you don't want them there, you don't just let them in just because you feel sorry for them. No, you don't let them in. Okay? When that when the enemy's knocking at your door and he's trying to get a foothold into your heart because out of your heart uh the Bible in another translation says it is the wellspring of life, then friends, we we don't allow him to have any kind of foothold in there. So we guard our heart. Okay, the scripture says in Psalm chapter 24 in verse 3 through 4, it says that uh, who can ascend to the mountain of the Lord who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Okay, what is clean hands? That has to do with what you do. Okay, well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. He knows that is deceitfully wicked above all who can master it. Him, obviously, or who can tame it. You can't tame it on your own. He knows that the heart is deceitfully wicked. And so, friends, we have to, so, but we can't have a pure heart. The Bible says that. So in order for us to, to come before him, who can ascend? We got to have a pure heart. Now, it's, it, it's, it's different, okay, when, we, when we're first engaging with God and we're, sin and, he, and we're in sin and mess and junk and he comes and he grabs a hold of us. But when we start to know better, when we start to know better, that's when we got to live in a way that pleases him. Okay? Clean hands and a pure heart. And it says, okay, those are the ones who are going to ascend to his holy place. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He's in the, in the Beatitudes. Who is going to uh, uh, see God? The pure in heart. So if we want to see God, if we want to live with God for eternity, we got to have a pure heart, fellas. We got to have a full heart, a pure heart, ladies. We got to have a pure heart. Friends, if the heart is wicked, then the whole man is wicked. If the heart is wicked, the whole man is wicked. And let me tell you this, this is the best way, this is the absolute best way to guard our hearts. Say guard our hearts. And the solution is found in Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. It says this. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Isn't that what we're talking about? That's exactly what we're talking about. How can we have pure hearts? Okay. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. What's that? Clean hands. Okay. You do what the word says. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And here is the solution. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Friends, if you want to have a pure heart, then friends, we need to hide his word in it. So when God looks at our heart, he doesn't see the deceitful wickedness. He sees his word that's in our heart. And friends, and when his word is in our heart, friends, it's power 
that gives us the ability to say no and to resist sin. Okay? Uh, another translation says, how can, how can a young person cleanse his way? Or how can they keep the path of purity? The only way to do that is to hide God's word in our heart. Because the word of God is living, it's active, and when his word is inside, friends, how did Jesus, how did he fight against the enemy? How did he fight against Satan when he was being tempted? Did he say, hey, Michael, come and, and, and uh, fight this dude? He could have, but he didn't. He fought with the word. And friends, and that's how we're going to fight against the enemy. That's the only way that we're going to fight against lust. And if we don't find, if we don't hide God's word in our, ha- in our hearts, we're going to not find ourselves fighting against it. We're going to find ourselves feeding it. Because it's everywhere, and you can't get away from it. And if you don't take a proactive stand against it, you're going to give into it. And the, and the messed up thing is that you don't have to look for it. It's going to look for you. Lust is the one thing that will, that will hunt you down and find you. So you got to stand firm and resist, flee, fight, and hide God's word in your heart. Could you stand with me? Friends, in order for us to, to flee from lust or to fight against lust, number one, there has to be a resolve inside of us that realizes that it's, 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 it's not just a sin against your flesh, it's a sin against God. That when we are giving ourselves to that pleasure, that doesn't please Him. It's almost like spitting in His face. So there has to be something inside of us like Joseph that said, how can I sin against God in such a manner? It has to be inside. There has to be this embedded, ingrained desire to want to please God. And that, that it's, it's birthed out of this desire to want to please Him. Then secondly, friends, God has blessed us with tools and resources and things. Friends, if... if, if what did, it, what, did, what did he say? It's better for you to cut your right arm off and to get into heaven than to go to hell with all of your... Let me say this. It'd be better for you to cut the internet off. It would be better for you to get rid of HBO. It would be better for you to throw those movies away. Now again, okay, we're not talking about religion. It would be better for you to do those and have, a, and have a pure heart and stand before God than to have all these things that you can give yourself over to and then realize that that stuff didn't please God and then end up finding yourselves going to hell. Sexual perversion is on the rise. In our city, it is absolutely dominated. We're number four in sex trafficking. What is that? Lust. We've given ourselves to lust to such a degree that we're selling our daughters towards it. That's what we've done. So we can't say we're in here and it doesn't affect us because it does. I was just looking on the news where I couldn't believe it. It was like right now, today, it's like six to eight young ladies, three or four of them were from Toledo that are missing. All 16 years old. Toledo. They're missing. They've been missing for months.
we need to ask God to give us a heart for him. And in doing that, friends, if we've given ourselves over to lust more than sexual, man, you know, we, we, you know, we, we have these dreams about bigger and better. We see what other people have. We desire it. Just like Pastor Joy shared last week, you know, scrolling on Facebook, that, that, that video that we saw last week, it's pretty funny. But that's what we do. Oh, look at this person. They're working out. How can they hit the gym for two hours a day, jerk? You know? Lord, we need you in a, in a, in a most desperate way. God, we're, Father, we're bombarded, God, with, with, with sexual imagery. God, we're bombarded with, with, with this culture that, that, that tugs for us for bigger and better and, and, and all this stuff. And, Lord, we don't want to be men and women that give ourselves over to lust. God, your word says that godliness with contentment is great gain. And Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Father, the men and women in this, in this house, I pray, I pray that we would commit ourselves to sexual purity. Friends, if that's you today, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I, I want to do this because I really believe it's absolutely essential and vital if you would say before the Lord today, Lord, I commit myself to you in sexual purity. Would you, since we're already standing to our feet, would you slip out of your seat and would you come at the altar and would you solidify that thing with God? If Job, if it's good enough for Job, it's good enough for me. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. And you can say, well, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. You're already, you're already walking in defeat. Friends, if you set the level high in your life, it'll give you something to go after. And as a man, friends, if we give ourselves over to lust and impurity, friends, we're going to find our children dealing with that. We're going to find ourselves, if you're married, you're going to find your wife being distaste, having distaste towards you because of that. So if you are a man or you are a woman and you are in this place and you want to commit yourself to to, to having sexual purity. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care. I don't care if you're an elder. I don't care if you've been serving God for 50 years. I don't care if you've been serving God for five days. If you would say, I want to commit myself to being holy before God in the area of sexuality, would you come on up? Again, we're not putting anybody on blast.